Thank you guys so much for having me. It is great to be here. Um, I'd like to start out by sharing a little story of something that, was, that happened in our ministry. Some years ago, one of our teammates, Ryan, was in a corner store in New York. We call them bodegas. Um, and he was in there, and he was sharing the gospel with this man from West Africa. And they were talking, and this woman walked past them and overheard them talking and interrupted them and said, what are you guys talking about? And our teammate Ryan's, you know, sometimes you're never sure when you're in a Muslim neighborhood exactly if someone is trying to, you know, if, if they're for you or against you. But he said, well, why don't you give me one second? So he finished with this person and he started to speak with this other woman from West Africa named Sanabu. And Sanabu said, you know, I, I, I know about Jesus, but I want my people to know about Jesus. So we started to disciple her and train her and coach her. And eventually, Sanabu went back to Senegal, shared the gospel with friends and family, and a church was started. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Now, why, how is it possible that Ryan was in this corner store having this conversation and this woman happened to walk just close enough to overhear the conversation and this started a ball rolling that ended up seeing the gospel taken to synagogue and a church started? Coincidence? Absolutely not. This was a divine appointment. We had some team members in Queens. They were sharing the gospel out on the street with some people, and a man walked by them from t Tibet. This Tibetan man walked by them and said, and overheard them speaking about Jesus. And he said, are you guys speaking about Jesus? He said, last night I had a dream, and I saw Jesus coming out of the clouds, and he pointed at me. And the Tibetan man said, what does that mean? They were like, well, we don't know what that means, but let us tell you about Jesus. And they told this Tibetan man about Jesus, and the next day he put his faith in Christ. Coincidence? No. This was a divine appointment. God had this Tibetan man walk out his door at just a certain time, walk down a certain street, walk by just close enough to overhear a conversation. And remember, God had given him a dream the night before, and then he overhears this conversation about Jesus, and now he's able to find out about Jesus. This is called a divine appointment. All through Scripture, we see that God is divinely orchestrating people coming in contact and events happening to see the gospel proclaimed, to see people come to Jesus, and to see his kingdom expand. This is a divine appointment, and God actually calls us to expect divine appointments. I want to encourage us to expect divine appointments. And if we will turn up our spiritual volumes, what I mean by that is if we will live out loud spiritually, if we will talk to the people out in our, in our community and at work and wherever, whatever we do, if we will talk to them the same way that we talk to people at church, 
oh yeah, I'm praying about this and this is what God's doing, we will find people all around us who are spiritually receptive. And I have found that those people whose volume is up, who live out loud, and who are praying for divine appointments and expect divine appointments, they actually see God bringing people to them and orchestrating events all the time. So I want to encourage us to expect divine appointments. Now, there's a number of reasons why I believe that we should expect divine appointments, and I'm going to give you some of them, and some of them we'll dive into, and some we'll just have to just accept. Here's the first one where we're going to have to accept, and I think you already know this. All through Scripture, it teaches that God orchestrates events. All through Scripture, it teaches that God is sovereign and causes things to happen to unfold His plan just exactly the way He determines it should happen. The other thing is, all through Scripture, we see examples of divine appointments where God is orchestrating events to happen and for people to come together. Let me give you just a few. In Genesis 19, we see Abraham meeting two men. They turn out to be angels, and they talk to Abraham about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is God orchestrating events. In Genesis 24, Abraham sends his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. And as this is happening, if you read that story, you will see that God divinely orchestrated Abraham's servant and Isaac's future wife to meet up in a very unique way where God was pulling the details all together. God was div or divinely orchestrating this appointment. In Genesis chapter 32, we see Jacob who wrestles with a man possibly uh, an angel of the Lord, possibly the Lord himself. It's hard to know, but Jacob is wrestling with a man and saying, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. This was a divine appointment. Let me give another example. Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we know about, we hear the story about this Roman centurion. And this Roman centurion is praying and calling out to God, but he's not a believer yet. And God orchestrates, God sends men to Peter and communicates to Peter, and God orchestrates Peter and the Roman centurion coming together. Peter comes, shares the gospel with this Roman centurion who gathers all of his family and friends together, and they all get saved. They all become believers. This was a divine appointment. So all through Scripture, we see that God is orchestrating events and causing people to come together for the purpose of the gospel going out. And I just want us to understand that God still does that today with us. God does that today with us. But we're going to look a little bit more deeply at Acts chapter 8 about the story of a man called the Ethiopian eunuch. And this is in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, and I'd like to read that to you. It said, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, uh, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship 
and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Uh, Verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. Now, if we were to continue reading the story, you would find out that this Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah chapter 53. Jesus, I mean, uh, Philip explains that this is actually a prophecy about Jesus. The uh, the Philippian, I'm sorry, the Ethiopian eunuch believes this, and he says, I want to get baptized. He gets down out of his chariot, gets baptized, and we don't hear anything about him again. And you say, well, why is this here? Well, let me give you a little background first about this story, and then we're going to talk about the fact that it's a divine appointment. In Acts chapter 2, actually in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then in Acts chapter 2, and I often thought about that, I was like, well, why does he want them to be in Jerusalem? I mean, what's so special about Jerusalem? The Holy Spirit can come down on them anywhere. But he says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you. Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 5, we see that it says, it says, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So Jerusalem at the time was this global city, and we had people from all over the known world traveling to Jerusalem because of the temple and the Feast of Weeks that was going on. And then God does this miracle in Jerusalem Actually, when we think of Acts 2, we think of the Holy Spirit coming down, and that's true. But the miracle of Pentecost is really a miracle of God reaching the foreigner. And so what happens? The apostles start speaking, and all of these foreigners can understand them in their own languages. And if you were to look at all of the different nations and people that were there, it says in Acts 2, 8 through 11, all of these foreigners say, then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then it starts to list them. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The gospel's proclaimed. Do you know how many people get saved on that one day? 3,000. 3,000 people from the nations. So we see in the book of Acts that now the gospel is starting to go out to the nations. Well, I think that Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, is just a deeper story of one of those people who came during Acts chapter 2, And it actually tells us, it says, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chair reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So he had just gone to Jerusalem temporarily, and now he's heading back. And God causes this divine appointment to see the gospel go out to this this Ethiopian eunuch and actually to Ethiopia. So... This guy gets saved, he goes back, we don't hear anything about him again, so why do we have this story? Well, do you know that many, do you know where the earliest church, one of the earliest churches in all of Africa is? 
Ethiopia. And many biblical scholars say it's because the Ethiopian eunuch went back, shared the gospel with his friends and family, and a church was started. Actually, just as a quick little tangent, do you know who started the church in Rome? No, nobody knows who started the church in Rome. Actually, in Acts chapter 2, it says there were people from Rome who were there. So someone heard the gospel in Jerusalem or Israel, became a believer, carried the gospel back to Rome, shared it with their friends and family, and a church was started. And Paul later says, man, I should write a letter to this church to make sure they understand what their salvation is all about, and that's how we get the book of Romans. So the gospel is going out to the nations. But God makes that happen through a lot of different divine encounters and divine appointments. And I want to show that this is divine appointment, but I also want us to understand what Philip was actually experiencing in this divine appointment. Now, if you look again at verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, that's an interesting statement. And then if you look at verse 29, it says, the Spirit told Philip. So what does it mean when it says the angel of the Lord said to Philip? And what does it mean when it says the Spirit told Philip? Well, there's three possible ways I think that we can understand this. And I think the text allows us to, it could be any one of these three. One option is that Philip actually heard an audible voice that where the Spirit said, go down this road here, and then the Spirit said, go stand next to that chariot. So if you were with Philip, you would hear it as well. So that's one possibility, is that this was an audible voice. Another possibility is that it wasn't audible for others to hear, but Philip in his head heard go down this road and then go over to that chariot and stand by it. The other possibility is that Philip felt this prompting inside his heart and where he just felt like, I really feel like I'm supposed to walk down that road. And I really feel like I should go stand by this chariot. And any one of those are possible. And what I have found in my life, and as I've interacted with people who, who sense the Spirit moving them, is that it's oftentimes this prompting where they feel like the Spirit wants them to say something or do something, and so they respond and obey and do that. Um, some people hear an actual voice in their mind where the Spirit says, go do this, and they do it. And I just want to challenge us that we should seek to keep in step with the Spirit, and if we sense the Spirit is leading us to talk to this person, or to go here, or to pray over someone, oftentimes you will, things inside of you will say, no, don't do it, it's awkward, I don't want to, it's uncomfortable. I want to challenge you to obey the Spirit and to do what the Spirit prompts you to do, even though it's likely uncomfortable. But the interesting th thing here, and this is very much like Sainabu in the bodega in New York City, is the Spirit told Philip, walk down that street. So Philip is walking, and then all of a sudden he feels like, you know, 
I feel like I should go down this street. And he walks down this street. He doesn't know why he's walking down that street. He just feels like the Spirit is telling him to do that. So he obeys. And then he walks down that street, and then he gets down to the end of the street, and he feels this prompting or hears this voice. We don't know. Go stand by that chariot. I feel like the Lord is telling me to stand by that chariot. So he walks over to the chariot and stands by it. He doesn't know why. And then he's standing there and he hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading the book of Isaiah. So he says, hey, do you know what you're reading? And the guy says, well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And then he says, well, I can explain it to you. And this was a divine appointment where the Spirit was actually prompting Philip to go and speak with this man. And from this divine appointment, it started this wheel spinning where this man was going to go back to Ethiopia, share the gospel with his friends and family, and we're going to now see the very first church in all of Africa get started. This is what a divine appointment is. But oftentimes, sometimes divine appointments happen and we don't even know they're happening. You're just a part of it. But sometimes the Spirit is prompting you to do certain things, and the more our ears become intuned and sensitive to the prompting of the Spirit, we will respond to things and we will know that God is actually leading and orchestrating things in our lives to bring about these divine appointments. So this is my challenge to us, is to pray each day and say, Lord, I pray that you guide my steps today that you lead me to the people that you want me to speak to. Lord, that I would be sensitive to hear your spirit and follow your spirit and obey your spirit today, and things will begin to unfold. Let me share with you, and, and let me just say that we believe that God is alive and active, yes? We believe this. That's why we pray. We pray for someone who is sick in the hospital, we pray for them because we believe that God can actually heal them. And we believe that He divinely intervenes in their circumstances to heal them. That's why we pray, because we believe that God is still active today. We pray for a family member who is maybe not a believer because we believe that God can divinely engage their heart and mind and open them up to make them more receptive to the gospel message. That's why we pray. If you're a parent and you have a teenager who first starts driving, you pray, Lord, I pray for mercy as they go out and drive because you actually believe that God can intervene and and bring about protection or to cause that car that was going to, to, to make a turn. Look, we believe that God is alive and active today. Should we believe anything less in relationship to the people that he has us to meet as we go out today and as we go out and engage people? I have a friend named Kenny, and Kenny goes into a supermarket. And as he walks in, he sees a guy that he went to high school with, and he hears the Spirit. It was probably more like a prompting. He just felt like God was telling him, go talk to the high, your high school friend. Now, actually, they weren't friends. He didn't even really like the guy. He didn't want to talk to the guy, but he felt like God wanted him to go up to this guy and talk to him. 
So he battled inside his heart for a bit. He's like, I don't really want to go talk to him. He wanted to just kind of not look and just kind of walk the other way. But he felt like God wanted him to go up and talk to his, you know, classmate from years ago. So he goes up and he's like, hey, it's good to see you. And he felt like God wanted him to share. And he says, oh, this is what God's been doing in my life. This is my testimony. This is what God's doing. And the guy is, he shares with this guy all, all the things that's going on in his heart. And the guy is completely hardened. The guy's like, yeah, you know, that's great. I'm not really interested in that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And Kenny walks away and he's like, what in the world was the point of that? Like this guy was completely hardened. And he kind of walks away a little bit, just a little bit discouraged. About 15 minutes later, he's shopping in some aisle of the grocery store and a woman comes up to him and she says, sir, do you mind if I talk to you for just a minute? He's like, yeah, sure. She's like, I am so sorry, but I was standing in an aisle, the next aisle over, when you were talking to your friend. And I didn't mean to overhear, but I did. And I felt like what you were sharing with him, I felt like God was speaking directly to me. And he engaged her more and she ended up putting her faith in Christ and getting baptized and now they're both part of the same church. You see, sometimes we're engaging one person and we have no idea why God has us speak to this person, but God had divinely orchestrated that she would walk into the store at just that time, that she would be in just that aisle, that God would lead Kenny to talk to his friend in the other aisle, you know, and she would overhear it and it would lead to God speaking directly to her, her heart being opened, her receiving the gospel and getting baptized. That's a divine appointment. And that is what God has prepares for us if we will pray for divine appointments, if we will seek to follow his spirit. Now, one night, let me just share this story. One night, Jeannie and I, actually, God divinely orchestrated within me a hunger for pizza. I know, right? So I felt like I needed to obey the spirit. So we ordered a pizza, okay? So we order a pizza, and um, a guy comes to the door, and I said, oh, hey, what's your name? He's delivering the pizza. And he says, my name's Muhammad. I said, I said, really, where are you from, Muhammad? He said, I'm from Senegal. I said, wow, I said, God's doing amazing things in the lives of people from Senegal. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, people are being healed, people's lives are being changed, um, people are having dreams of Isa al-Masih, that's Jesus the Messiah in Arabic, but people are having dreams of Jesus and their lives are being changed. And he said, really? And he wanted to learn more about that. So Muhammad and I started to talk and we started to meet every couple times each week. Actually, he would drive on his bike past my street in the city and on his way to work, Muhammad and I would get together several times a week, and I would just say, hey, let's just get together and pray. And I would pray with Muhammad, and sometimes I would share a story from Scripture, and more and more, he was getting more and more hungry. This went on for a year, and Muhammad never became a Christian. And then he went back to Senegal. 
But Mohammed and I continued to text each other on WhatsApp. And he would say, can you pray for me? I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. And one time he said, I'm really in a bad situation with my job. Can you pray for me? And I said, I can, Mohammed. Actually, I know a woman of God in your city. Can she also pray for you? And he said, yes. So uh, Sainabu, the woman I met, that Ryan met in the bodega who became a believer, she went and met with Mohammed and his family. And I'm at my niece's wedding and I get this text from Sainabu and she says, Mohammed and his entire family just prayed to receive Jesus. So do you see... You understand why I say that God divinely orchestrated a hunger for pizza? I actually think it might be. And you know what? To be honest with you, there are many times where I get interact with someone and never talk about spiritual things. And God had prompted me at that time. I wish I did every conversation I ever had. I wish I did. But I don't, you know, but I wish I did. But at that moment, I engaged him and I said, God's doing amazing things in Senegal. And so here we have two years before this, Sainabu walking in a store, walking down an aisle, overhearing a conversation just within the right distance of overhearing it. This begins a ball rolling where now she's coached and trained and discipled. She goes back to her country, starts a church. Separate from that, this pizza guy comes to my house a spiritual conversation starts. This begins a ball rolling, and now Mohammed and Sainabu end up in the very same city on the other side of the world, and God uses Sainabu to lead Mohammed and his family to the Lord. And this is how God divinely orchestrates events. Amen. Amen. God is alive, and God is active, and the same God who orchestrates events all through scripture is orchestrating events today. We have the book of Acts so that we understand how God works in the church and that we can expect him to do the amazing type of things today that he did then. The same way that he orchestrated Peter to interact with the Roman centurion, the same way that he, he caused Philip to interact with the Ethiopian eunuch, that's the way God will work in your life if we call out to him and we say, Lord, I pray today that you will bring people to me who are spiritually receptive. I pray, Lord, that you would cause me to interact with people who are ready for salvation. And sometimes you're going to interact with people and you're going to feel like that was a complete waste of time. And yet you don't know that God has someone in just the next aisle who he has prepared. And you know what? God allowed Kenny to see that. But it doesn't matter if Kenny ever found out at all. God could have worked in that woman's life and maybe Kenny never knows, but we have to be open about our spirituality. We need to be engaging people spiritually and God will cause these divine appointments to happen. That's my prayer for us tonight, that we will be sensitive to the Spirit, that we will turn up our spiritual volume, and that we will pray that God would bring us into people every single day who are spiritually receptive, and He would divinely orchestrate these meetings so that the gospel can go out and we would bear much fruit. So that's my prayer. Um, I'm going to ask that the worship team come up, and I'd like to just pray 
over uh, just all of us today that, that we would keep in step with the Spirit. So let's pray. Holy Father, I just thank you so much that you are a God who is not dead but alive, um, the same God who interacted with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Paul and Peter and the Philippian jailer and, and the Roman centurion and the Ethiopian eunuch, that you are alive today and you are moving today in just the same way, Father. I pray that each of us here would expect that that we would pray for that, that we would be living out loud and engaging people, and Lord, that we would be encouraged by seeing the fruit of our engagement and that you would bring people to us through divine appointments. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.